in association with the Museum of the Antiquities Project. This is Ancient Rome Refocused with your host, Rob Kane. History for the Brave. Welcome to episode 24. The title of this podcast is Biblio Archaeology 101 Digging Up the Author. I have an old edition of R.G. Collingwood's Roman Britain. I'm afraid many would classify me as a bibliophile. The book is worn, but it's held up over the years. There are more recent editions of Collingwood's books, reprints, but there is something exciting about getting a copy that was printed in the author's lifetime. There's something else. I have a severe case of marginalia, that is, wanting books with scribbles, comments, annotations, critiques, or doodles, usually found in the margins of the book. What I love about it is that you are looking inside the mind of someone that held the book before. It is low-cost time travel. It is documented mind reading. For this copy of Collingwood's Roman Britain, it was owned by T.H. Harris. 1925. Sometimes I wonder what happened to T.H. Harris. I hope he avoided the problems of the upcoming depression and the horrors of World War II. It's terrifying to have the benefit of hindsight. The book itself is filled with maps of locations about Britain where the Romans had settlements. On the front inside cover is a map of Roman Britain. The modern names have been replaced with Latin designations. You can see the original Roman names, Ladinium, Corinium, and Reginum. These are just a few. On the inside hardcover in the back is another map of a Roman frontier works near Halt Whistle, displaying forts, camps, and Hadrian's Wall. Halt Whistle is a market town and civil parish in Northumberland, ten miles east of Brampton. The population is around 3,811, which I imagine in 1925 was quite a bit less. It's a wonderful book filled with photos and illustrations of what the Romans left behind. It has surprising insights into the time of the Roman occupation. Check out page 15. Quote, The empires of modern times are rent by racial cleavage between a governing race and a governed, which are too far apart to unite into a single whole. We have, we have barriers of color and race and language 
which were absolutely unknown in the Roman world. End quote. Remember, this is being written by a man who was living during the British Raj, and the British Raj was not due to end until 1947. He goes on to describe an ancient world where a Syrian from Parmara settled quite happily in northern Britain at the mouth of the Tyne, marrying a British wife and putting up a splendid tombstone to her memory. Modern racism has been said to be a social construct, and certainly not seen in the same terms during ancient times. Now this reflects on a recent social media argument where a cartoon showed a dark-skinned Roman soldier trying to live his life in North Britain. This cartoon brought condemnation as being inaccurate, trying to force political correctness down on notions of history. However, the image was correct. Rome drew on a wide swath of humanity in its maintenance of the empire. Historians even support the representation for Africans serving on Hadrian's Wall. Britain was a district in a wide and vast empire. Not Britain, not England. Those designations had yet to come into being. Collingwood writes that a Briton could say, I am Roman, as easily as St. Paul. Everything is context. You know, if I was backpacking through England in the late 1920s, or even now in the 2020s, I would stuff this book in my kit, along with my meds, and an extra pair of socks. The book is fun and easy to read. Something that I found a little surprising from an academic from the early part of the century. I didn't recognize the author, nor gave the name much thought, even with the acronym FSA behind its name. I later found out it stood for Fellow of the Society of Antiquarians. This organization was established in 1751, and members are elected to membership for showing ex and excelling in the knowledge of antiquities and history of this and other nations. To be truthful, when I got the book, I didn't give it much thought of who or what Collingwood might be, until I came across his name in the book Confronting the Classics by Mary Beard. Now there's a book. Dame Winifred Mary Beard, professor of classics at Cambridge and what I can only describe as a rock star. She has written and collected and edited a primer of essays and book reviews that I could only describe as for those prepping for conversations at your next classics cocktail party. To my surprise, I came across a chapter on, you guessed it, R.G. Collingwood. The chapter reviews the book of Fred Inglis, I-N-G-L-I-S. The name of the book is History Man, 
The Life of R. G. Collingwood It seems Collingwood was a professor of metaphysical philosophy at Oxford College. He was a traveler, happy to be on his way to some distant destination. However, before 1938, he published most of his studies on Romano-British archaeology. He was that guy that loved translating Roman inscriptions from tombstones to milestones. I can only imagine Collingwood tramping along the back roads of England with his knapsack, his second pair of socks, and of course a notebook filled with his scribblings. I think I would have liked him. Anybody that could convince a captain of a sailing vessel to give him an on-deck office while traveling to a far and distant place sounds like one likable guy. What is listed as his most famous work? The Idea of History. It was constructed from his writings and manuscripts after he passed away. From the book is the following quote. The historian, and for that matter the philosopher, is not God. Looking at the world from above and outside, he is a man, and a man of his own time and place. He looks at the past from his point of view of the present. He looks at countries and civilizations from the point of view of his own. This point of view is valid only for him and people situated like him, and for him it is valid. He must stand firm in it, because it is the only one accessible to him. Unless he has a point of view, he can see nothing at all. End quote. I will try to find this book in my next Amazonian search. Collingwood has been described as a philosopher with an archaeological hobby. If he sounds like a man that wouldn't be happy cooped up in a classroom, it might be that he suffered from a series of strokes. He knew that his time was limited. In his book, The First Mate's Log, he tells of his last voyage in the following words. If a man looks to Socrates as his prophet, the journey to Delphi is the journey to his Mecca.